You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Murphy in for Mackie and Judd, who are off today. They'll be back tomorrow on the show. Uh, joining Actually, Myron is in tomorrow. Oh, Myron. Oh, are they guys off for the rest of the week? Yep. Oh, never mind then. Myron in uh, tomorrow, Doogie on Friday. Who's Myron in with tomorrow? Just me and him. Oh, just you and him. Okay, yep. Doogie on Friday. Scoop, mm-hmm. It'll be scoop time. Uh, Matthew Collar joins me here. Uh, you had to sit through and endure uh, what we all had to endure for a half hour yesterday. Uh, Rick Spielman's... <laughs> Not exactly a revelatory sit down. Um, I guess what takeaways? What uh, what did you what piqued your interest most about what he had to say? The defensive adjustments that the Vikings have made since the disastrous defensive performance in Los Angeles really caught my ear because, like you said, it was a lot of as expected things that Rick Spielman would say. What do you think of Kirk Cousins? I mean, was he going to say, "Oh man, regret that one"? He's phenomenal. Like, yeah, right, phenomenal. I, uh, Courtney last night and I, Courtney Cronin, uh, went through what words we would use. So, like different superlatives. Phenomenal was a little. A little strong, I think, uh, for Kirk Cousins. Serviceable? But, is that too low? Uh, serviceable might be too low. Um, I think that the best way I could describe Kirk Cousins is, yes, he has been Kirk Cousins. Like, he's been exactly what he was in Washington. The downsides are there, and so are the upsides. There are a lot of great throws, and he can certainly keep you in games that your defense isn't playing well. That's why they brought him here, uh, because Case Keenum really couldn't do that. And at the same time, there's some of the personality things that you wonder about, including his answer to your question about the fumbles, which was just bizarre. I hope yeah, you, he I, got a little defensive, did he not? Uh, he did very, and that has been a common theme for him. Is when he makes mistakes, you're not going to get the well, the ball's in my hand, so I can't make that throw to uh, P.J. Williams. It's always going to be, well, but, there's some really long, convoluted explanation. Yeah, it's not all my fault. Right, or I'm not going to tell you. And I don't know how that flies. I think if a team is winning, that's okay. But if they're not, then you could see where he might have some teammates be annoyed at that if they're going through some rough times. And I don't think he even called himself at one point a reluctant leader which I, I think that there's just not a lot of leadership qualities there for him. So that's why it is good for him to be on a team with two receivers, which is a rare thing for that position, two receivers who are leaders. And, and a tight end. And a tight end. And on the defensive side, with Everson Griffin coming back, that a different kind of leader, more of just a, like a heartbeat type of guy. So there's like the infrastructure there for that not to be an issue. But we're really going to find out whether this is phenomenal as far as a move or not when they play Rodgers, then go to play Brady, then go to play Wilson, and then the Chicago defense, which is probably the best in the league, they're going to face them twice right. over this next stretch. So we'll find out if he's phenomenal or not. But their adjustments on defense have saved the season. 
Like teams had figured them out. That was pretty clear. When even Buffalo was running stuff that got their linebackers spinning around in circles, like okay, something and is. Zimmer way was off reluctant here. to even acknowledge that, and he finally yeah. did after, of course, after a win. How convenient! <laughs> right, right. But I think that that is his mo as a coach in the league. That it's what makes him great and a guy who can win. How many ever games he's won here with a different starting quarterback every single year to start the season? When do you ever see that in the NFL? Usually that's a that's a death wish. Actually, having a defense that is in the top year after year is almost impossible in the NFL. Only a handful of teams have done it since like the year 2000. Like Baltimore and Seattle are the two that come to mind that were actually good for more than one or two years. And here we are with him making those adjustments. So, I I mean, those are kind of things that we knew already, but it was interesting to get Rick Spielman's take on. Well, today's the first official day of their bye where the players scattered. So we'll be monitoring the police blotter (laughs) for the next 10 days or so. Because that's when things always, it's like after 2 a.m., nothing good happens on a bye week. Uh, that just really, the, the police thing has, uh, that's, I feel like that was before me. I it just, was I a little bit, you're right. I'm year. probably being a little bit unfair. I mean, there was a 10-year period where there's, and it wasn't always the bye week. It was mm-hmm. during the season, off season, and bye week. Uh, <laughs> like the Jerome against Simpsons anybody. of the world. This is Jerome Simpson, uh, the the boat. Uh, do we even need, that's 15 years ago or so. Hey, Tyson's uh, scalping situation. Tyson's scalping, yeah. yep. And we can go on and on. I mean, we can have a whole show <laughs> on the transgressions. There are, there are many. Uh, should note, too, this just came out within the last hour. Uh, former Lions running back Amir Abdullah was claimed by the Vikings off waivers. Uh, a depth move? He's kind of a receiver. Like They would line him up as a receiver, and they would throw to him a lot in Detroit. And I'm curious if that means that they want somebody who can offer a little more of that that has played in the NFL before. Mike Boone and Rock Thomas are the two running backs that made it out of camp. Now, maybe one of, I mean, could Rock Thomas be going on IR because he's hurt? I think that's possible. Or could they decide to waive one of them? I know they really like Mike Boone. This makes me think that maybe Rock Thomas's injury is serious so they can replace him and that they might want somebody who is just a versatile playmaker. And that's what Amir Abdullah had been for Detroit. But since they have on Johnson there now and they have LeGarrette Blunt, uh, he wasn't getting a whole lot of looks in the backfield. Plus they have Theo Reddick there still too. So he was pushed way down the depth chart. Maybe it helps a little or maybe it's the next Stephen Ridley who they sign for a couple days and then release a few days later. I, it's hard to say, but I, if, if Rock Thomas's injury is serious, then this is maybe a, another playmaker and could say something about how they feel about the receiver's Pass to Diggs and Thielen, even though this guy's a running back, like he catches the ball all the time. It, it's just up in the air with like Laquan Treadwell mm. is having a very Laquan Treadwell season. A couple of catches patience, here, there, folks. Right? Patience. Yeah. I mean, in training camp, we all wrote the story, Murph. Like, oh, he's having a great camp. <laughs> nope. nope. And then he, you know, throws his helmet and drops a ball that goes for an interception and those sorts of things. Chad Beebe's a nice little story, but is he a guy that you really want to rely on? Probably not. Same with Aldrick Robinson. Like He's a guy who's been around, but just a guy. So they probably want to add another playmaker just to have one. Uh, the running game. Now, it had been non-existent through the first four or five weeks. Part of that, of course, being Dalvin Cook's inability to stay healthy, at least so far. He's only played in seven of 25 games right now. But, you know... It looks like that hamstring is fully healed. I mean, if you if you kick it up a notch to twenty two miles an hour on a seventy yard <laughs> run, uh, I'd say it's it's holding up well. Um, has 
the running game turned a corner, or do you still need to see more and 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 a little bit more uh, from Murray and him uh, to kind of maybe say, yeah, this is now a balanced attack? So what I'm really interested in is just more of how it's used and even how successful it is, if that makes sense. Because I think where Delvin Cook's biggest value is in screen passes and the fact that he can line up as a wide receiver and run a slant route if you ask him to. Like, that's just such a rare talent. And then, you know, a big play, explosive play. But they even had some of those out of Latavius Murray. So he didn't run 22 miles an hour, but he had the big run against the Jets. He had the big run against Arizona. And I just think, like, in today's NFL, it doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot how good it is, but when you can use it properly. So take... A game against the Arizona Cardinals where they finish him off using the running game. Like, that's something that this team hasn't really done very consistently, and they've kept teams in the game. Like, you go even back to opening week. Like, they're beating San Francisco, they're taking care of them, but then still, they give the ball to... They do let teams loiter a little. That's right, that's right. Like, every team, even Arizona, like, they were sort of hanging around. The Jets definitely were until they decided to, like, turn it over four more times. But they've got the ball down ten late in the game because you didn't finish them off when you had a two-score lead. That's where if you have a consistent pounding running game, you can really just look at the Saints. Look what they did to the Vikings. They got up a couple scores and were like, nope. They had a drive that went eight minutes. They handed off almost every player, threw it two yards, and they had their offensive line just take care of it. And that's where this team still, even though it's improved, does not have a good offensive line overall and has an inexperienced offensive line if Danny Isidora is playing rookie right tackle Brian O'Neill. Pat Elfline's in his second year. So they're not exactly a bunch of... And and Remmers is still playing out of position. Not exactly a bunch of guys who you say will pound the other team's face in when you're ahead. And that's what would concern me against good teams. Like, if you leave Rodgers in the game, if you leave Brady in the game if you're ahead, if you leave Russell Wilson... They are going to make you pay for that. So that's where they need the running game more than to get ahead. You're going to have to do that with passing. Matthew Collar, 1500 ESPN, joining us here. Uh, I wanted to ask about Spielman's remarks because I had asked him about whether he regretted take, trading up to, to draft a place kicker in Daniel Carlson, who, of course, flamed out in Green Bay and was immediately cut. Uh, is Dan Bailey give you, does he give Vikings fans still heart palpitations? He's not been horrible, but. Couple of missed extra points, couple of shanks here, and it's such a, 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 a sensitive topic because place kicking has doomed this franchise, particularly in the playoffs the last twenty years. What do you think it is? Like, is it like an animal burial ground where they put the stadium like or something? poltergeist? Like what? Good point. Some like, sort of curse. They yeah, move. They move right? the headstones. Yeah. So did this like a curse of the billy goat? Only it was you know the Viking ship or something. Um, I don't think that you can really trust Dan Bailey, but we haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, He was one of the best kickers in the league, but he certainly wasn't the last time he was kicking for the Dallas Cowboys and then lost the job in a league where kicking seems to be all over the place this year. It's been very bizarre. Nobody can make field goals. It's like when they moved the extra point back, it got in these guys' heads. And they started no gimmies. Right? It was like, I remember all the stats came out where they were like, look, this isn't going to make that big of a difference. It's like 97%. And then you see him costing people games and everything else all over the league. I have no idea. With Daniel Carlson, I had no idea, and I still have no idea whether Dan... He's got a better history than Daniel Carlson, but if you had told me that they kept him after those three misses and he went on to be a great kicker, I would have been like, oh, okay. Because it just just seems so like bizarre and random and weird how this works. Kai Forbath... Yeah, I was just going to ask, why did... 
Kai Forbeth, why is he forsaken? I have no idea. He has no job after hitting a 52-yarder in a playoff game that should have actually won them that game if they could have gotten a stop on fourth down. And then the guy like basically was done from the minute that they drafted Daniel Carlson, and no one's picked him up. They're picking up these random college kickers as opposed to him. I saw that San Diego had another kicker on their practice squad, which that's... A great idea. And, and they, so they cut their trash kicker. They move him up instead of signing someone like Forbath. I don't know what he did to everyone to not have a job. I thought he was a solid kicker. Not great. But if you can hit a big one in a situation like that, that's about as big as it gets on the huge stage, I'd prefer having you than other guys I don't trust. And Bailey, at this moment, goes under guy I don't trust. What you hope is you're just not in that spot, but somehow this team always ends up in that spot. Hell, Carlson even got picked up. The yeah, Raiders went right. and picked him yeah, up right. before. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Have you looked at how he's doing? I don't know how he's doing. Because it's the Raiders. Oakland's awful. Sure. So, yeah. Have they had any he probably extra hasn't points? been used well. <laughs> right. Well, I think he might have. Have they been in scoring position? Did He, he, he played in the... Thursday night game last week, didn't Did he? he? Yeah, but they only scored three points, so it I must think have been so it his. Must have made, so they got yeah. really by San Francisco. Yeah. So it was a bad move to cut him. Um, it was always a bad move to draft him. It's always a bad Ugh. move to draft him. To trade him up to draft him. And that makes it worse. But statistically, this is kind of counterintuitive, but undrafted kickers outperform drafted kickers because the undrafted guy earned it. Like, he had to beat someone else, whereas the drafted guy is just given the job. So there's a better chance that Daniel Carlson had a lower bar to clear to beat Kai Forbath than Marshall Kane, who lost to Kai Forbath the year before. He right. was one for two and, on uh, in the Thursday night so game in San Francisco. So and, yeah. and, you know, the big leg thing is the big arm thing. Like, oh, we'll draft Josh Allen because he could throw it out of the stadium. And then, like, he can't complete a five-yard swing pass. And, like, it's the same thing with these guys. Like, oh, he could kick it from 68 yards. Congratulations. I mean, what does this do? Most of the kicks are somewhere between 30 and 40. All right, real quick. Uh, where are you not going to get in trouble during the bye week? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be grinding the tape. I'm just... Uh, you looking I, ahead to Chicago? I'm. Well, look, we never look ahead. It's a week-to-week right, league. Right, you're right. Even in the bye week, it's a week-to-week league, Murph. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of going to be uh, hanging out for the weekend. Uh, it's nice every once in a while to sit down... To have a Sunday, And huh? watch the football games. Like a regular right? American, right? I would, I would never complain about going and eating all the breakfast food there and the pizza after the game at U.S. Bank Stadium. They had chicken and waffles but, the other day. Yeah, I saw that. Um this Sunday, I think I'm just going to hang on the couch. All right, sounds Football. good. Get some. Got to eat. Got to eat. All right, Matthew, thanks so much for chewing up 15 minutes. Thank you. All right, Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Whoa. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> Pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check some traffic, shall we? 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in St. Paul between 35E and 12th Street, so be on the lookout for that. Also, 169 southbound, we've got a crash near Edina between 494 and Anderson Lakes Parkway. Uh, That's causing about an extra nine minutes to your commute, so be on the lookout for that. Murph? Uh, the World Series ended, what, 10 days ago? And it's we're already into the off-season intrigue. The general managers are meeting in Carl... I've seen datelines of Carlsbad, California. Anybody have any idea where that is? It's got to be somewhere uh, no exotic. Because I can they look would, it up quickly. They wouldn't uh, 
bring these high execs out to is that like Carlsbad a motel with a K or a C? Carlsbad with a C. I guess yeah. it's a suburb of San Diego or L.A. Um, of course, the Twins with their new manager, Rocco, Rocco Baldelli, who's going to be trying to figure out what he has on his roster while Thad Levine and Derek Falvey are kind of tasked with, A, they got to figure out if Joe Maurer is going to retire, and B, are they going to finally go out and spend some money? I mean, these guys have done everything. They've fired a manager. They've uh, re- shaken up the coaching staff. They've shaken up the front office. Uh, they've they've promoted uh, a, a, a bunch of prospects. And but every new move they make is waivers, a nibble here, a nibble there. I mean, their their two biggest signings last year, Lance Lynn, it was okay. Uh, Logan Morrison was an absolute disaster. So I think Twins fans are wondering, hey, you know, it's about time maybe you kind of show some show some leg here. This is their baby now. Yep. For Thad Levine and Derek Falvey, their this, third this is, season. This is their this is their thing now. Like they've you know they've they brought in they've hired the manager that they want now, and they're they're constructing this coaching staff to the you know to the way that he wants it. And I mean this is this is their baby now. This is their guinea pig, and it's I think it's time. I think when you've got the money that's coming off the books when. You know, you signed, you you brought in some guys for one year deals and everything. Your your Mauer's twenty three million is gone. Mauer's twenty three million is in theory off the books. I mean, you you've got to you you've got to look at free agency now this winter, and you've got to see what you can do here because. And the other thing too, Murph, Bucks and Snow, man, they got to figure this thing oh. out. They got to figure this thing Agony. out because I mean, because you have to ask yourself, okay. Are these guys going to turn the corner? Because if they're not, then what? What is the next step? Well, do, because, are you forsake another year because last year was a lost season well, for both of them? Yeah, well, that's that's. I think that's what you're hoping for is this year. I mean, you you want to go out and you want to bring in some some help too outside the organization, as far as players are concerned. But you also got to look at those two guys and you got to figure out if if they're going to be cornerstones to your franchise going forward. If the struggles that we've seen both of them have, albeit a little bit different for each guy, you gotta want you, you gotta figure out figure it out with these two. I mean, you you just have to because they you know the the in in terms of young players coming up through their pipeline, they've, they've there's something there, but we're still a couple of years away before we see you know Royce Lewis, you know. So you got to look at Buxton and Snow, and you know who else? Kepler. Kepler regressed a little bit last yeah. year. Yeah, so those three guys. I mean, you get you you got something good with Rosario. I think I don't know if I don't know if Eddie will be much better than what he is, but what he is right now is pretty good. And you're gonna so, get a full season out of Polanco. Yeah, so you, you, Bucks and Sano, man, it's time. It's time for them to get going. Well, here's an intriguing. You know, assuming everybody's is pretty much on spot on and speculating and, and informed speculation is that Joe Maurer is going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a little bit of chatter about he's talked with the front office about what the framework of a possible contract would be, but I think you're going to see in the next week or so he's going to make his decision. I mean, he was all but out the door uh, his last game in September. So now you got a hole at first base. Yeah. Well. You know, why don't move the elephant in the room, literally, Sano, across the diamond and put him at first? He's not a bad third baseman, Mm -hmm. but he's not that good. And, you know, first base is a place where you can kind of casually hang around. You're not charging bunts. You're not, uh, you know, you're not getting slid into. You're not throwing. You're not making huge throws. Right. You know, because he, by the way, he had Tommy John surgery now, you know, so don't forget that on his right arm. I think 
you know, if you decide that Maurer's gone, why not put him at first and then go out and get a third baseman? As opposed to go out and get a, a first baseman, I would think a third, well, the corner infielders, I don't know, they're not necessarily a dime a dozen, but and they also need a second baseman too, obviously. So I I, I would put him at first base mm-hmm. and let's see how he responds to that because I think it'd be less stress, less pressure. I don't think they're going to do this, but would you, if you were them, would you go after Manny Machado? Um, I, would I don't like his it. reputation. I don't like his his attitude, right. and that doesn't seem That's like the Twins' way. I mean, I you know, he's, he, he's, he's really good, and That's he's a loose problem. cannon, and yeah. he doesn't hustle, but. He's a hell of a ball player. He's so good. But that's that would be the anti-Twins way, which I would know. put Falvey and Levine on the map if they wanted to go that route. Shell out some cash for, obviously, a talented but kind of enigmatic player. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen here very often. Um, but, yeah, that could solve your issues right there. Move Sano over and put him there. And put him at third. Put him at third, and then there you let it rip. Yeah. I mean, I, I just... I want to see them do something. I think they will. I think they will be pretty busy this winter. I just don't know if it's, I mean, it's not going to, you know, and, and we, we get to this point of the, the year after the season's over and there's always, you know, fans, they want them to go out and just go get. Oh, know, yeah. Like, well, last year was you Darvish, right? They wanted, they, they, they were mad they, at that. They didn't get you Darvish they, and they were they, mad at But they were in play. Right. They were in play they for were them. in play. And now when you look at that, it's like they kind of dodged a bullet there. Yeah, absolutely. He, he had injuries and all that stuff. And then when he actually did pitch, he wasn't very good. So. I don't. I don't know. It. It'll be. I. I would like to see them go get another pitcher. I don't know who's. I'd have to look at who's going to be out there. But I'd like to see them go get a pitcher and a position player like a third baseman or a second baseman or something like that. Or somebody who can play both. Perhaps somebody who can play both. Somebody that you can move around a little bit. You know. I mean, Rocco Baldelli comes from Tampa Bay, where they. They're moving guys all over the place, and they're you know they're unconventional doing, you know, analytics. They're, they're doing driven. a lot of unconventional stuff. So if you can bring in some guys that can do a little bit of everything for you, you bring in a guy who can play second base and play some third on some nights, and maybe play in the outfield a little bit to give one of those three guys a night off or a rest or something like that. I think I tend to think that's the route they're going to go. The biggest name on the free agent market will be Bryce Harper, the uh, Washington Nationals superstar. According to the Washington Post, I think it was, they uh, the Nationals made a pretty aggressive offer. $400 million. Is he worth that? Is any player worth that? We could say that well, for the last 30 years, every yeah. big contract that comes out. But Well, I'm a fan of him. Um, I like him too. But he, he did He's got not, attitude. Yeah, he did not have a great year but you know but the body of work the body of work is there and you know that he has the ability to be that kind of a player so i 400 million is a lot of money my god it's a lot of money man it's a lot of money and I it's don't all know. guaranteed in baseball He's i guess get every penny of yeah it. i guess it just kind of depends on where you're at right as a franchise if you a if you can afford it and b if you can if you're in a position to 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 win i mean could you imagine if the Angels threw four hundred million dollars at yeah, him, and you've got Bryce Harper and Mike and Trout, Mike Trout in the same yeah. outfield. But I, I, I tend to think it's going to be a team on either coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Cubs, but they don't need a, they don't need a, uh, they don't need him necessarily. But Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Angels, yeah, those those teams are always in the mix. Like I say, maybe the Cubs. Texas always seems to be pretty aggressive, even though they're a middle market team. But you got to figure he's going to end up in a large market. Uh, Washington D.C. is a large market too, 
Um, but, uh, you know, things may have soured there with Bryce Harper. But anyway, the hot stove will be heating up in the next couple of months. See where the twins go with that. I am in for Mackie and Judd. And um, at 4.30 here when we come back from the break, Dave LeVake from the Star Tribune covers high school football here in Minnesota. He'll break down the state tournament, which starts Thursday night. Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, it's state tournament time for high school football here in Minnesota. 48 teams from about a half dozen classes or so are going to start uh, whittling each other down. Starting Thursday night, there'll be games Thursday, Friday night, I think some on Saturday as well. Some will be at the Vikings facility, the new uh, TCO Performance Center. Uh, joining me now is Dave LeVake, covers high schools for the Star Tribune. I guess, Dave, what... Uh, what are the biggest storylines, surprises, or feel-good uh, backstories that are out there right now? Uh, I guess in 6A, you could start with the fact, you know, they seed it uh, kind of an NCAA fashion. They've got 31 teams in that bracket of, of the biggest schools, and four of the number one seeds are still around here as we get into the, you know, they, they call the whole 31 team tournament, their state tournament in Class 6A. I, I still think of the final eight as more of the true state tournament uh, teams, and of those final eight, for the, the for the number one, the four number one seeds are still around, and the, probably the biggest surprise would be number six seed Lakeville South. Uh, they they just got to 500 with their win last week, and so the fact that they're they're still here in the final eight is probably the biggest surprise if you go by the seeds. Are the is the biggest or the best? football player in the state is he still playing um it could be anybody yeah I, I would i would say that you're the best football player in the state probably comes out of owatana his name's jason williamson he's a running back as, as my colleague jim paulson said today on our podcast you measure what he does now in miles not really yards he just he's an incredible uh athlete uh, committed to the gophers he'll probably be you know, one of those Associated Press Player of the Year, Gatorade Player of the Year, which would be, I think, a second time as, as Gatorade Player of the Year. He, he won it as a junior, I believe. And he's got defending champion Owatonna. Uh, they're back 10-0 and right now, and, and they uh, they have one of those games you mentioned at the uh, the Egan facility for the Vikings. They'll play the first of the game of a doubleheader Saturday. They have a nude against Chaska in what should be a, a dynamite game. It's going to be cold too. That's what they, that's the way they want it, right? You got to prove your metal uh, in the outdoors before you get to come indoors at US Bank Stadium. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because we, we've seen teams whether they go to a spread look with their offense or whether they just throw the ball more. I'm always curious how that plays itself out here as you get into the the middle part of November and as it gets to those days where it's 20 degrees at kickoff. You wonder how they're going to, to manage. Now, last year, Owatonna did just fine. They they kind of – I watched them on consecutive weeks, and I had their state quarterfinal, and Williamson had a monster game. I think he had seven touchdowns uh, running, and then when they went inside for the semifinals, his quarterback, I think, threw for seven. So they were able to do it, it hurt you both ways, and I think the teams that can run well and, and balance the pass where they need to are, are going to be the ones that have the best shot got the dynasties and maybe who's the biggest sleeper right now 
Hmm. Well, I think when you go to sleeper again, Lakeville, Lakeville South and six A, because that's that's the only tournament that is seated, and so that's the only one where you can really point and say, "Wow, you know what a, what a you know, this is something that is happening we we didn't expect." In the other classes, it's a little bit harder to figure. But in five A, I mean, Tartan is in the field. They, they, out of Oakdale, they uh, they've never been there. They, that school has been open since nineteen seventy one. This is their first trip. Uh, so that's good for them. Uh, in, in 4A, my alma mater, St. Paul Johnson, they're back for the first time How about since 1981. My yeah. alma mater too, Dave. That's my alma mater East too. Eastside pride. Go Gummies. I like it. Well, you know, and, and beyond the, the Eastside pride angle, that's they're the first St. Paul public school team to go since 1981. So yeah. I think if, you, if your phone number starts with 651, we can all be happy. Yes, that's right. Uh, Rob Gubby right now. Dave, is this playoff system – destined for reform and and why are some coaches upset about it there is a lot more chatter and it's it's in the name of player safety that they're looking heavily at classes 5a down to to nine man because what happens brian is many of the teams in these classes they can have as many as four games in 15 days when you go uh from the MEA weekend, those teams play on, on Wednesday of that week because there's no school on, on Thursday, Friday. And then that was only five days before they, they or for only five days after their previous game. Then their playoffs begin on Tuesday. And then if they win that game, they have another round of games on Saturday. And so the coaches are really starting to be more vocal about not liking this format. You know, in 6A, as I mentioned, with just the 31 teams, there is no issue because there's few uh, the way they set it up. They play, uh, they, you know, if they play uh, Wednesday of NBA weekend, they don't go again until Friday the following week. So really, no issue among the biggest schools. But five A on down, they, they they're really speaking up in the name of player safety. That they think it's too many games and too short of a span of time, too little time for recovery, and, and they'd like to see that remedied. And one of the, the one of the uh, solutions they're considering is maybe not every team should make the playoffs. Oh really? And that that how's that going to go over? Well, <laughs> it might not go over well, but there's been reporters, you know, as as this story and as this storyline has been getting uh, voiced in, in greater numbers among coaches, there were reporters who were t- uh, tweeting out summaries of that first night of the playoffs, which is a Tuesday, and the the numbers were something like. Uh, the, the lopsided scores between the one seed and the eight seed were substantial. Between the two seed and the seven seed were substantial. You, they they factored in travel distances to go get your bell rung. Uh, there there was just a lot that at the surface looks wrong with having these what essentially become kind of meaningless games where you could subject kids to to injury. And so they haven't drafted any formal proposal yet, but there's a thought that, Hey, maybe not everyone should make the playoffs and, and maybe those lower seated teams or who would normally be lower seated teams. Maybe we should work out some other way they could play each other. And, uh, and, and somebody can end the season with a victory and, and somebody can at least end the season in a game that, that feels like it's a, a better competitive fit. Is there any data out there? Is the high school league compiled any data showing what, playing four games in 15 days can do physically to a player? Nothing that, I, that I've seen or heard from. I think what, we've, what we're seeing here is, is you're starting with the coaches voicing these concerns, and then that concern needs to be become a little bit more uh, consistent throughout the coaches' association ranks. And I know there's a little bit of 
Um, not not disconnect, but a little bit of uh, a thought that, well, geez, you know, we've been doing this this way all this time, and it's everything's been you know relatively fine. What you know, so you, you, that's where it has to start. They got to get the coaches' association to have this dialogue, and then it would become something that they might present to the league in terms of a formal formal proposal. But I think we're a little ways off from that. I, we'll, we'll see what the uh, we'll see what the chatter how that carries over from, from what we've seen the last few weeks. We'll see if that uh, continues to gain momentum in the offseason. Uh, Eastridge High School, uh, their season ended Friday night in the section finals, uh, but their their story sort of doesn't end there. Uh, Marco Cavallaro, am I getting that right? Cavallaro? Cavallaro, and his, yeah. yeah. And his family are basically waiting for a judge to rule on a lawsuit they filed to appeal a suspension from the team for a, a dangerous hit during a regular season game. I think it was uh, mid-October. The ref ruled it was targeting, hitting someone in the head, but an attorney for the family says the issue is about what happened next and why is there no uh, recourse or, or due process uh, with the high school league to perhaps appeal a suspension similar to the NFL, perhaps. What is at stake in this lawsuit? And, you know, at this point, it's not going to allow the senior to go finish his career, but... They still want to pursue this because why? Well, they, they want to create a situation where there wouldn't be, the kids wouldn't be subjected to not having what they consider to be due process when you have a situation where, you know, you, when you get ejected from a game, uh, you, you miss the remainder of that game, of course, but then you also miss the next game. Now, if you get ejected a second time in a season, you miss four additional games. And that's what happened with Marco. He was facing a, a four-game suspension, and the parents and the lawyers' con- uh, contention was, hey, we've got video here that shows this hit. Why don't we look at it more closely and determine uh, whether or not the punishment fits the crime? Uh, the league stands by its, its officials and in their bylaws. They say that the officials' uh, calls are final and there is no opportunity to appeal. And uh, that's where the, the, the disconnect uh, existed between the two sides. And as you mentioned, Eastridge got beat last week. And so now the, the, the lawyer uh, reached out to, to uh, James Smith and then asked, well, what, what happens now? And they said, well, we're, we're, we're going to, the family's going to take some time and kind of evaluate what's happening. And, and they're contemplating whether or not, uh, to have Marco, who also wrestles for Eastridge, perhaps he should just sit out his first two wrestling meets and, uh, wrestling matches rather, and then just get that over with. And then maybe that, continue can, to pursue. Can suspensions carry over into other sport to sport? Yes, they can. All right. So he's, he's, if he was going to miss four games, football games, it's the equivalent of two matches in West wrestling. How's that matrix work? I don't know that it's if it's anything more than just he, he missed you know his he's, he missed two football games of the four, and then he, there's two uh, games. Oh, uh, I see. I see what you're saying with, with wrestling. Yeah, so he can he can be on the team. He can make the team. He can, can uh, wrestle in the in the practice and and those things. But and they're, they're contemplating. They're they're not certain yet, but they're contemplating just having them miss the first two, and if they, that way that if, if they do pick up uh, their fight from there, he has nothing at stake if, the, if it doesn't go their way. Whereas if he starts wrestling from the get-go, they pick their legal battle back up, and it, he's ruled against, maybe he has to sit out two wrestling matches at the end of the year, and they, 
They want to avoid that. So that the, the family's kind of reassessing as we speak. Yeah, the meter's running, too, obviously, on the legal bills, uh, and it might not be worth, uh, you know, fighting the good fight. I was curious if, if there's any precedent, or you know of any precedent, or are there other other states that have sort of a an appeal process in place for, for kids who get suspended for something on the field, in any sport, I guess? We did not pursue it in a, in a broader sense that way, so anything that I would be saying would be totally speculation. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I can't. <laughs> I think if I think if you did open this up to uh, an appeal process, I think they would have to hire you, me, and about 500 other people to handle the volume of, of uh, inquiries that that would be made for for uh, lawyers and money. Business. Lawyers exactly. and money. Exactly. So I, I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I would be surprised, frankly, if other states allowed for that because of again because I think there can be a lot more people lining up to uh, to have to be heard. Dave Levesque of the Star Tribune, where are you going to be? What games are you going to be covering this weekend? Thursday, I will be over at White Bear Lake High School to watch uh, number one seed Blaine against number three East View. They're the ones that knocked out East Ridge uh, last week. On uh, on Friday, uh, I will be heading over to uh, I, I'm, I'm having a little trouble actually remembering all these. I'll be heading to Osseo <laughs> to watch number one seed Woodbury. They all blend, huh? On yeah, take uh, number six, uh, Lakeville South. Yeah, and, and that was you know when I said one of those uh, uh, kind of feel good uh, dark horse situations. And then uh, Saturday, I'm uh, actually heading down to US or to, to the uh, TCO Performance Center to watch that that great what should be a great doubleheader. Uh, I mentioned already the Chaska matchup with uh, Owatonna at, at noon, and then at five you've got Elk River against Spring Lake Park. So. Two really strong football games in Class 5A. All right. The biggest question, of course, is as you go cover these, A, is there room in the press box? And B, can you plug in somewhere? And maybe even C, is there wireless at all these facilities? TCO is... is yeah, I would think you're fine there. there. <laughs> yeah, everywhere else, it's best to think like a sardine. <laughs> I've shared some of those press boxes with you. Uh, it's state uh, lacrosse tournament a couple years ago where we were roasting out at Minnetonka. We'll be on the other end of the uh, thermometer. This, this <laughs> roasting will not be an issue. Now it's now it's when they open up the windows to put the uh, the cameras out for the live stream on, on Prep Spotlight TV, which they do a great job. But it's hard to think about that when you're when you can't feel your fingers and you're trying to type there in a, in a high school press box. But we'll we'll make it through. First world problems, as they say. All right, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your insights. That's Dave Levake of the Star Tribune. Uh, Brian Murphy here in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic here once again. 94 eastbound, we've got that crash uh, between uh, 35E and 12th Street in St. Paul. Extra three minutes there. And uh, 169 southbound, we've got a crash uh, in Edina between 494 and Anderson Lakes Parkway. Uh, Prepare for an extra nine minutes if you're headed southbound on 169 towards that area, Murph. Dave LeVake, our our guest, uh, was talking about possible reform to the high school playoff form and i know manny you're involved uh doing games all the time uh what what intrigues you most about trying to reformat 
a uh, a system that, in some cases, as Dave pointed out, requires some lower seeds that play four games in a in a two week span and and player safety. Yeah, I think I mean because I, I'm around high school football during the during the fall season. I I do public address announcing for Hastings down at Todd Field, and I I I'm I'm be interested to see if they decide to go the route of you know not every team makes the playoffs if they follow the same format that Wisconsin does because over in Wisconsin it's kind of the same I don't know exactly the ins and outs of how they format that but basically the way it's set up is that not every not every school gets a participation the, gets to participate in the in the postseason so to speak so I'm not sure, exactly sure how they format that but I think if they're going to if if they're going to go that route over here, I mean that over across the river might be the the model to sort of follow, or at least just sort of look at and see. Okay, maybe we do something like that and maybe tweak it a little bit. I don't, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if they actually decide to to go that route. Who are you actually looking forward to seeing what they can do in the uh, in, in the, the, po- yeah. in the Well, I mean. Well, I'm I'm a govy at heart. I mean, I I, I love. They're a feel good story. Yeah, and you know, I love my folks down in Hastings too. But uh, you know, I'm a I'm a govy through and through, a St. Paul kid. So it, it's kind of a fun story. Um, yeah, I'm, I'd be interested to see how they, how they do. Tartan Tartan's kind of an interesting story story too because they were Oakdale, right? Yeah, Oakdale, and and uh, you know they're going to be kind of kind of an interesting uh, story to see how they go uh, how they do too. Uh, is there a sister Jean potential for? Uh... St. Paul Johnson? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Do they have a sister gene? Who would their sister gene be? Is there <laughs> an old-time uh, teacher or administrator there that uh, they I'm could uh, trot out I, as the unofficial mascot? I, I, I was in the class of 2002, so I don't know if how many people are like actually still over there. I think there's a few people still over there like in that building that uh, have been... Uh, have been there for you know since back when I was going to school there, but I'm I'm not sure. But I, I'm I'm rooting for them though. It'd be it'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of fun to see them go on a little bit of a run here. Okay, the Vikings made some news earlier today, signing Amir Abdullah, who had been released by the or claiming him off waivers from Detroit. He had been released from Detroit uh, earlier in the week, and to make room on the roster, uh, Rock Thomas was let go. So yeah. it looks like the, the the depth chart here, from what I understand, goes Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, and now Amir Abdullah. Or as Collar yeah. said, he may well not line up a little bit more and give him something uh, more of a dual threat receiving and uh, running option. But this sounds like more more uh, uh, hedging against the fact that, yeah, Dalvin, they're going to get a week off, but Dalvin Cook still has a hamstring injury, and that's mm-hmm. just one wayward turn from being another two- to three-week problem. Um, it seems like they're trying to fortify their depth uh, in the backfield. And you heard Collar talk about it that Abdullah is kind of a guy that you could line up as a receiver and have him run some routes for you. And and I think and he when, can return kicks. Yeah, and and I think when you look at you, you look at the Detroit game and it, it was nice that the Vikings got the win and everything. The defense played really well, but you didn't you didn't you know Stephon Diggs didn't play in that game because he had the rib thing. And Adam Thielen, Thielen was non-factor. Yeah, because they pretty much locked him up. They double teamed him most of the time and sort of took him out of the game. Now, he still had the touchdown and everything and still had a few catches, but they really focused on him. And now I think if you can add somebody else that, you know, and I'm not saying Amir Abdullah is Stefan Diggs by any stretch of the imagination, but you can just add another guy onto the field who can actually do something for you at times throughout a game. 
I think it can can only help them because I mean Laquan Treadwell right now, man. It just aside from being a pretty decent blocker, yeah, he's like, a he tired story. He just doesn't do anything for you. Like you can't you can't rely on him. I go back to that fourth down against the Saints, which I don't I didn't really like the play call in itself. I usually don't like to get into play calling, but I just why are you trusting him to make a play for you on on even on fourth and one when you when you need that, you know, you want that play, you need that play for you, and he's the guy. Especially when you had other guys open. Thielen was open on that play. Aldrick Robinson was wide open on that play. Why are you trusting Laquan Treadwell to do anything for you at this well, point? Well, you got to justify the investment, it. right? I guess so. But, I mean, that ship has sailed to me. I mean, we're three Is he years- Troy Williamson? Just a different version? A much slower version. <laughs> a, slower, <laughs> a bigger and slower version. Bigger and slower version. But, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Like, you just can't trust him to be productive and make a huge play for you. I mean, it's just, and one touchdown at Green Bay in week two doesn't do any, doesn't do enough for me. It just, you just, I, there, there's nothing, there's no reason to keep trotting him out there other than you're trying to make the most out of him being a first round pick and you don't want to give up on him yet. But it's, we're not, he's, he's, he's not giving you anything right now, anything of, any sort of, sort of real legitimate production right now at all. Collar also brought up the fact that it's been touched upon a little bit, but the offensive line, I know mm. intrigue on the offensive line isn't really a sexy storyline, but it means a lot. It and is this for this is, team. It is for this team. And, you know, a couple of years ago it was Sam Bradford was going to get killed because they were signing Jake Long off the street and Khalil was a disaster and, and, you know, Sullivan was getting old and, uh, whatnot, but they they've been spackling this together all season long. You know, they drafted a kicker instead of an offensive lineman, yeah, uh, and and or a guard. They needed a guard more than mm-hmm. anything. I think this is going to be, you know, I think this this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, uh, and that's not great because you're not finding anybody. You're not going to sign anybody off the street that's going to get cut not anymore. And, and the trade deadline passed. You. Maybe right. Treadwell could have been nice trade bait. Who's going to trade for him? The uh, somebody like, because the NFL is full of arrogant coaches that think I can fix, I can him. fix him. I'll be the guy. Yeah, boy, I don't know. I I don't know if I would want to give up. Well, look I at mean, Cordero at Patterson most, in New England. He's his career sort of on a renaissance here as a running back now. Yeah, but I I think the thing with Cordero, you could probably attribute more to just not being really used in the way that he should have been used because he's not. I mean, I don't think. The the problem is the the Vikings were trying to turn Cordero into just a pure wide receiver, and yes. he's not that. He's not going to run routes and make these crazy back shoulder catches and everything. No. You've got to just give him the ball and see what he can do. Find a way to get the ball in his hands, and now you're seeing that's the Patriots are doing that. They're putting him in the backfield. They're they're running jet sweeps and handoffs and different things like that. Quick throws. They're just finding ways to get the ball in his hands. Of course, because, Belichick will be able to do that. Of course. Of course, and you know because the Vikings couldn't find a way to do that with him, you know, and and I was fine with letting him go because I was, I was as done with him as I am with yeah. He was tiresome as well, just his his attitude and his persona. You know, you you knew the moment the Patriots got him, you knew they're gonna they're gonna utilize him. They're gonna utilize him, and it's gonna work. He might have been their MVP Sunday night. I mean, that one drive that he had that finished with a touchdown. I don't know who was tugging on his. On his jersey, he got another mm-hmm. five yards with a defender on his back, and he's still returning kicks as well. You know, I, I, maybe maybe Belichick is the uh, Cordero, Cordero whisperer. He fixes everything. Like you just, 
it's like you're you're almost at a point now in the league where if like if you have something and it's really really talented, it just stop dealing to New England. Don't send him to New England because Belichick is going to turn him into a and make a you look horrible. golden ticket. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. But you know what? We should come back and I want to ask you because you're you're a Detroit native. You grew up in Detroit and you've been here obviously for a long time, but. You grew up watching the Detroit Lions and everything. I want to... He's a ticket pick, holder for a few years. Yeah. I want to pick your brain on the current head coach of the Detroit ah, Lions. Ah, Matt who, Patricia. Uh, had an interesting uh, situation pr- that presented itself last week before the game on Sunday. So we should do that. When we do All right. That. Look forward to it. Brian Murphy here in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.